think there's a point that people get to, they no longer care what other people think about them. And so they go and they buy the things that make them happy. They wear the stuff that makes them happy. They do the things that makes them happy and not based on what other people think of them. Kia ora that was Chloe Wickman. I'm Matt Raymond. And I'm Eugene Bingham. This is Dirt Church Radio, interesting conversations with interesting runners. I would like to continue our love with the Ultra Spire Zygos 4.0 pack. Yeah. It seems like a million miles ago that we ran Wu 2K. Mm. The pack was yet again excellent. It was good for like um, having your snorkel in it. That's right. Um, your flippers in the back. Snorkel pocket. Um, how we had those parachutes that we could get down, you know, wind assisted. That's right. They were great. Yep, paragliding down, tip track, all of that stuff. 14 yep. litres is more than enough. But more no, than enough. In all seriousness, yeah. um, they're fantastic. Uh, phone in the phone pocket, kept it, mm. well, not dry, uh, marginally protected, mm. which is the best that you could hope for in such inclement conditions. If you go to ultraspire.co.nz, Woman, woman's Astral as well. Yeah, yeah. What a pack. What a pack. Black and with the mint trim. Come on now. A lot of people were rocking the Ultra Spy down at uh, W2K. Yeah, well, Wellington people know. They do. They know Smart quality. People. But if you go Smart to ultraspy.co.nz, I mean, I guess the thing with them too is maybe I've had my head turned in the past by more kind of, you know, a bit more hyped brands mm. and... My my wife Rebecca had a a, a version one, uh, the oh, what was it? the Alpha Pack, the green one, mm. and I was always like, damn, that looks so good. Mm. And now, mm. yeah, finally know what it's all about, and mm. uh, couldn't be happier. So yeah, ultraspire.co.nz, the real stuff. And while you're online, just go wildthings.club. Yes, and feast your eyes on that. Yeah, and you if can... you use the code DCR2021, yeah. What do you get? Well, you get 12 months membership. No, you don't. You get 15 months membership for the price of 12. Um, You get access to challenges. You get access to the VIP discounts in the shop. Um, You get access to the trail directory. You get access to the community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you get us a little bit of scratch. Mel and Sal are happy. We're happy. So if you use that code, DCR2021, for 15 months Wild Things VIP membership for the price of 12, everyone is truly happy. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. Mm. Yeah. Do it. Um, further faster. I They're in Christchurch. Yeah, they are in Christchurch, and we wore their, their, uh, the Montaigne yes. Stretch Ultra uh, seam-sealed jacket on said, um, said Leviathan 4,000 Leagues Under the Sea Wu 2K mission. And, you know, again, whilst, you know, it, it kept us dry. The hood was great. Mm. Like, truly, you can wear them in a 100-mile-an-hour wind, and mm. they're okay. Mm. Mm. Um, didn't rip off us. Didn't rip off us. And if we had been blown off the cliff, down on dashed on the rocks into the sea, the fetching red colour would have made mm. the body recovery really easy. Would have, The rescue helicopter would have been able to see us. Yeah. Uh, those, those seams were tightly sealed. They were. Yeah. Yeah, the seals were tightly seamed. They were. You can't argue with them. But if you do, go check out the the, the range of gear uh, for any adventure. And and the weather is getting mighty wintry at the moment. Go to furtherfaster.co.nz or head down to the store in Christchurch. We can sing this jingle. 
and it goes something like Further, faster, there in Christchurch Rocky is hairy and so is Badger Jules is nice and Jack is delicious Go to further, faster, now Go oh, further, faster, there in Christchurch Rocky is hairy and so is Badger Jules is nice and Jack is delicious Go to further, faster, now Dirtchurch Radio Seems like a long time ago we were in Wellington, but it was just a week ago, episode yeah. one five three. We made it back at sea level. Yes, and out of the wind, out of the wind, um, and here we are. And yes, the Olympics are on. Hayden Wild, yeah, Hayden Wild aced what, it. What a G! Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Craig Kirkwood will be super, super happy. Absolutely, Craig yeah. Kirkwood. Obviously, episode one hundred and eleven of Dirt yes. Church Radio, running runner extraordinaire, coach extraordinaire, mm. and. Talked about Hayden during the thing. So yeah, there's no one who can soak up mm. punishment and uh, training load like Hayden Wilde, who yeah. by all what's his what's his five K PB? Thirteen twenty nine. Thirteen twenty nine. Think about that when you do your next park run. That's right. <laughs> and uh, amazing. I missed it. I was at university today, but I saw him come across the line, burst into tears, dedicate it to his you yeah. know, his dearly departed dad. And then pick like, up the Norwegian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. threw up all over himself. Yeah. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. <laughs> Disgraced himself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> anyway, um, oh. yeah, I'm loving the Olympics. Um, and bring on more medals, please. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, you tried out? Yeah. No, I'm good. Like, I... Yeah, we dried out fully. In so fact, you drove back? We drove back on that. So what we did is we hung out in Wellington. Um, the wind died down sort of Sunday, Monday. Um, of course it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we drove back. We went to the – I tell you what, I'm wearing my Bird Gang, proudly wearing my Bird Gang T-shirt. Tonight we went to the Douse, the yep. Art Museum in mm-hmm. Lower Hutt, mm-hmm. and I would encourage everyone who is in – that area to go to the Douse and check out The Most Dedicated, which is an Aotearoa graffiti exhibition featuring uh, the star of uh, episode 133, um, Charles, Willi- Charles Williams. And it was incredible. It was mm. just like I honestly had a bit of a freak out fanboy moment. Like mm. when you see see the art up close, it's just, yeah. So please, if you have an interest, I know that Fiona Hayweiss messaged, she was like, what's that? Oh, my God. Yeah. She took Spike right over. So, yeah. 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 If, if you have an intro, if you go back, listen to 133 if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, and then go to the Douse if you're around there. It's on till August 22. Oh, uh, and not just not just Charles and Janine either, but mm. a whole bunch of other fantastic, mm. fantastic artists. They are killing it, though. Yeah. They're, yeah. Charles and Janine. Amazing. So, um, I mean, t- it says here in the suitcase, question mark. Yeah. Oh, that was me adding question marks because, like, right. did you forget your suitcase? No. What happened? No, no, no. I just, uh, like, a, I thought I'd just pass this on as a little tip for people who uh, are returning home from trail races mm-hmm. or any, any kind of races, really. Well, Dirt Church Radio is a resource for the. This is true. This 21st is true. Century do trail do what we say, not what we do. And what we did was. Uh, he I did. Yeah, what I did was. Um, just chucked my pack, my ultra spy vest, into my bag, um, yes. forgetting mm. that I hadn't emptied out my bottles, oh. and my bottles were still in my bag. So when I got to Auckland, the baggage, uh, you know, the baggage carousel comes around, and I say to Suzanne, "They've left my bag out in the rain. Look at it; it's sopping wet." Noticing that no other bag was sopping wet. <laughs> 
And then re- went, oh, I know what I've done. And sure enough, there was tailwind and water all through my bag. So, yeah, just, what, what just flavor? remember, just remember it, uh, neutral. Oh, that, that's something at least. Something. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't orange or anything. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, how cool was it to get our We2K episode out? And Spike Havice, he's a little superstar. Yeah, that was amazing. We got a lot, lot of great feedback yeah. around uh, all of them, but Spike, uh, Kate, Gareth. Yeah. And um, we heard from one of the marshals. Remember yes. we talked about the marshals in the wetsuits with the snorkels? Yeah, we can and reveal. And we were like, are we hallucinating? Is yeah. this? Uh, it was a spooky gully. Yes. Uh, we were having an argument, was this tip track or not? Yeah. Um, one of us was team tip track, one of us was team it's not tip track. Uh-huh. We'll leave that. It's not, impo- it's not important. No, no, it's, oh, not, no. Important. it's not important. It's, it's not right. important. Yeah. But, um, I was having a near-death experience at the time, I thought, because <laughs> I was hallucinating seeing people in, in wetsuits with snorkels standing in a mountainside, basically. But, yeah, we heard, heard from one of those said marshals. Yeah, yeah, and we'll put the, fo- we'll put the photo up yeah. that, that, that she said. But Ash Moody, she said, I was one of the snorkel marshals on the Wu2K course, and I love that we were memorable enough to get a mention on the show. You were pretty memorable because it was a... <laughs> It was pretty where you were <laughs> and, and, the ensemble, <laughs> and the ensemble that you were in. So I was originally meant to be running as a relay team on the 62K, but unfortunately an injury about six weeks out put a stop to that idea. So when Kate needed volunteers at the last minute, I was stoked to be able to get after it. My wonderful spouse, Ro, agreed to come and brave the forces with me. Uh, Te Kopaho is our playground, so we knew how wild it was going to be in there. We decided that wetsuits would be the best thing to wear as we were going to get wet regardless, <laughs> and then it followed suit to wear full gear. We considered fins, but we were struggling <laughs> to stand up even in boots in that wind. With our hoods and face masks on, we were protected from that vicious sideways rain. And that was the thing that I, that just that, – Yeah. Because yeah. they were on like a – well, the, they were on this – a turn, a switchback going down, like a yeah. big sort of gravel road. Yeah, it, it was. was. Yeah. We had an absolute blast out there. What a day. Walking back up out of Spooky Gully in a wetsuit also turned out to be great resistance training. Recommended to really get into those glutes. Yeah. Gosh. And so, yeah, we, um, we'll we – we'll, you, you can see the photo on yeah. our social media and it's really, really cool. and Row, you rocked. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you both Thank you so, so, much. so much. Yeah. Um, we also heard from David Houchman. Yeah. Yeah. So he says, I mean, and, and again, a really incredible um, sort of build up to the race. I yeah. Mean, I, I, and I don't know if, if people know this, but sort of doctors in their training mm. and their so senior training. He's a doctor. Mm. He's a medical doctor. Yeah. And in their training, go to different hospitals, yep. move around and, 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 and can end up going. And David has moved to Wellington. So he's been in Tauranga? Yep. And now he's in Wellington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I'd give you my take on the day. Not quite a greatest run ever, but certainly adventure and one I won't forget. So he says, Wu2K 2021 was my first run in Wellington. <laughs> what an we, mo- <laughs> we moved house on the Friday to come to work in Wellington. All of our furniture and belongings set to follow four days later in a container from Tauranga. Uh, he says, I had plans of running the beautiful 43-kilometer route down the spine of Wellington as my introduction to the city. I'd even watched some of the little old man running's YouTube videos about the course, which make it look stunning with gorgeous views over Wellington, nothing like a big storm to put your plans into disarray. This is getting the keys to our new home on Friday evening. We discovered the property had an induction hob, which none of our pots and pans <laughs> worked on. So the pre-race evening meal was couscous and things from tins, which is not his favorite running fuel, but you know, it'll do. Whilst watching the road outside our house slowly turn into a flowing river. After a night on our blow mattress, a quick breakfast in the morning, sitting on two broken camping chairs, which is the only furniture they brought down with them, in the middle of an empty house wearing several layers looking at the sideways rain pelting down the windows 
he asked himself the quite obvious question, do I still want to do this or yep. shall I just crack on with sorting out our new home? The list of jobs to do, things to buy and organising to be done was long. He said he was tired and that he had that all over body ache that comes with spending over a weekend, over a week packing things, thoroughly cleaning our rental home in Tauranga and lifting boxes and furniture while still working. Gosh, shift work at that, yeah. So the mantra of you regret it if you don't run sang loudest in my head. And before I knew it, we were at the cold, wet and windy start line with a bunch of other intrepid runners. I love the joyous energy and camaraderie that is the New Zealand trail running and triathlon communities. And it was in full force this morning. I think that was the wind. I think we all knew how ridiculous it looked uh, to (laughs) supporters and people in their warm homes out in our colourful running layers going for a run in a severe storm and gale force winds. Mm. And he says, my outstanding memories of the event, I won't forget, are leaning 60 degrees into the wind in order to provide any forward motion. The rain being blown against your face at over 100 kilometres, stinging your eyes and cutting your lips, uh, helping up a slight less than 45 kilo runner. I mean, I don't know how much David weighs, to be honest. He's going to be much more yeah. like he's he's not, he's not, he's a, he's a lean running machine. Uh, uh, yeah, but a 45 kilo runner who'd been blown off the side of the course in front of me. Whoa. And the amazing energy of the incredible volunteers, especially those, um, two ones sitting as, sitting as they couldn't stay standing on the windiest spot of the course, encouraging you over the, yeah, those two over the incline, they were yelling so loudly. You could yeah, hear yeah, them yeah. up yeah. the hill. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, passing people on the narrow single tracks turned into rivers uh, of Mount Albert whilst getting hit in the face by walking poles. It's probably <laughs> Harry and it's probably Harry and Tom. The camaraderie and exchanged utterances of hardship with other runners on the course, chatting to be happy, triumphant, chatting to happy and triumphant people at the finish line. Um, yeah, just all over, you know. Mm. So, and then he stopped getting home, and he basically had to um, get home immediately mm. and have a ridiculously long hot bath. Mm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so yeah. this is, you know, that was my first Wu2K in Wellington. My first Wu2K, my first run in Wellington since been for a couple more. <laughs> and he yeah. says it's been pretty good, the sun's out. Yeah. He also said it's the worst weather he's ever run in, and he's from Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, no, totally believable. It was. It was and then he sort of has a dig at us for bringing the bad weather. So Yeah, yeah. And he's going to Kepler. It is raining now. Yeah, it's actually started raining. When we get back together, really it starts raining. Bad. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, that was Wu2K 2021. What a wild ride. And I'm glad that um, we got to do that episode. Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah. Um, this week. Chloe Wickman, who yeah. is the head of colour yes. and of Xenia Clothing. Yeah. Now, if, I mean, gosh, if you're at Wu2K, you would have seen some Xenia Clothing mm. out there. Uh, it is a running brand for uh, women who it it prioritizes color, uh, comfort, and uh, comfortability, and 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 collectivism. I guess. Yeah. Be, you know, yeah. There's, there's four four C's. Yeah. That's that's a good good number of C's to have. There we go. Mm. Um, um, but it was a great conversation, wasn't it? About yeah. everything from uh, Chloe's time at the Olympics. Yeah. Behind the scenes, part of the Swaziland. Delegation? Yep. You want to know about Swaziland delegation? You listen to this conversation. Yeah, that's right. Um, and about her philosophies, really, mm. which, are, you know, we, it got pretty deep. Yeah, it was amazing. Got pretty deep. Yeah, yep. really good conversation. Um, and we're looking forward to bringing you that. Yeah. We have a giveaway. We do. We need a drum roll. If only we had a drum roll, Andrew. 
Anyway, um, we've got a giveaway to announce. So for the past couple of weeks, we've been giving people the chance to win an entry to the Greater Rim race via our social media channels. Thank you, Greater Rim organisers. Um, the race is coming up in October in distances of 10, 22, 30, 53 and 83 on some pretty spectacular and some very runnable trails. Um, one of the races even features a ferry ride to the start. Uh, so we got you to um, enter that via social media, and we have a bunch of entries. Yeah. Um, but we're going to do a randomometer to choose the winner. So uh, we'll spin the randomometer thing and push click. Right, and the winner is Joe Ryder. Woohoo! There we go. Who said, yes, please, pop me in the draw for sure. I'd love to do this event. Fantastic. That's the kind of enthusiasm you want to run the Crater Room Ultra. Absolutely. And that is a truly, it, we pop them into a random number generator. Yep. Not a random name generator as we've done in the past. Um, but <laughs> remember when we did that? Did we? Yeah, yeah. The is one that stands out was Moses Fong. That was the one that stood out for me. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, number generator. Anyway, um, Congratulations, Joe, and um, thank you to everyone else who entered and get yourselves along to create a room. Cool. Mm. How have you been? Yeah, great, actually. Yeah. Like, re- <laughs> seems like Work 2K was challenging and a really turning yep. point for me. Yep. So this week has been excellent in yep. terms of, uh, you know, started back at school. Uh, again, um, works okay. And, yeah, training's been great, actually. Mm. So that's looking forward to uh, the 24-hour uh, we're going to do the Midnight Marathon mm. uh, and Kepler. And so mm. building up Blue Lake. Yeah. yeah. At Blue Lake in Rotorua end of cool. September. So that's going to be really cool. Yeah. And it was, it's, and we got out, uh, we didn't get out for any running this weekend, but man, I saw you out in the trails. You saw me in the forest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd gone out with, because um, I, I was down for, I'd spoken to Mark about um, having a couple of rest weeks after Wu2K and then Wu2K of course didn't happen. I was like, oh man. Um, and he was like, look, I really think it'd be a good idea for you to still have some rest weeks, mm-hmm. you know, as much mentally as anything, because you've had a big build up and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's kind of weird. I needed to talk myself into it, but I'm glad that I've done it. Um, because yeah, you do just need those times of just yeah. downtime, don't you? So, um, on Sunday, I thought I'm going to go for a ride just because I feel like it and asked our friends Tom and Jean and Thomas what they were doing. Sometimes they go for a ride on Sunday. They were going for a gravel bike ride. And you have a gravel bike. I have a gravel bike, but I mostly use it to ride the cycleway. So that's the most gravelly bit of gravel that I've ridden. I thought, yeah, how can it be? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we I, rode the road yeah. and then got into the forest. Yeah. And then not long after I saw you, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's a challenging riding on gravel is challenging. Yeah, I, yeah. So what happened was I was bailing because I'd ridden about a couple of k in the forest on the gravel and then went, you know what, this is not fun. I'm not enjoying this. So I bailed and I came across Matt and Rigby. Yeah, we were out for a recovery run and actually I had run with Thomas and Jean uh, yeah. the day the, more, the day before. Mm. I'd, I'd run it. I'd gone for my run and by chance bumped into them at the. I'd run in from home. I bumped into them, and that was really cool. So, and then we oh. caught up and drank about a million coffees afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spent, so I've learned that um, you don't have your tyres pumped up to the tyre pressure you should do on the like road. Like 100 PSI is not going to Yeah, help. and having skinny tyres uh, is not a good idea. Well, you know, 
They anyway. were, they'll be okay. You'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll yeah. be good. It was good fun. And then I, I rode on the road for a while and it was good fun. And like you said, then we had a million coffees afterwards because that's what you do when you're cycling. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, right, Patreon patrons. Um, Help us drink a million coffees. If you'd like to support <laughs> what we do, we'd love you to come on board. That's not what we spend. No, it is. By setting in. up a regular donation, not. even for the cost of a million coffees a month, <laughs> it would help us do things that are a bit outside our reach at the moment, like buying audio equipment to improve our sound quality. We need another dead kitten because ours has died. Uh, oh, yeah, get into did more, you see that? That was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Get into more races to interview people, and it would also help to keep the lights on, mm. helping us cover costs like the website, domains, and costs. And we've got some real cool stuff coming out. We can't talk yes. about it at the moment, mm. but uh, back half of the year, baby, we're, we're back at it. But we're at uh, patreon.com slash dirtchurchradio, and if that's not in your wheelhouse, that's absolutely fine. We're just glad you're here. Yeah. All right. Right. Timothy Olsen. Yeah. He's, oh, man, amazing dude, right? Like, love his story. Came up. Issues with alcohol and drug addiction. Yes. Moved to Oregon. Yep. Portland. Started running with Hal Horner at his shop. Mm. And then went on, I think he won the Mount Hood 100. Mm. uh, You know, working as a massage guy and then doing... Uh, you know, race directing, and then set a Western States record, mm-hmm. and then has just kind of, I mean, he's he's been there and thereabouts, and he's done heaps of cool stuff, mm. and now mm. July twenty second, twenty twenty one, new men's supported fastest known time on the two thousand six hundred and fifty three mile Pacific Crest Trail in the Western United States, mm. fifty one days, sixteen hours, and fifty five minutes. Yep. Is it confirmed at this time? I think it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, it bests the previous record set by Carol Sabe of 52 days, 8 hours, and 25 minutes, and that was in 2016. Mm. Um, Olsen started at the PCT Southern Terminus on June the 1st, hiking and running an average of 51.3 miles per day for 51 is, days. Yeah, that is savage country in some parts too. Absolutely. And, you know... Uh, remarkable, remarkable achievement, um, and yeah, grit and determination. If you're not going to pimp pack, of, you might as well fast. Pack, yeah, yeah, true. The the um, I was going to say the year of FKTs, the age of FKTs. Yeah, that's right, on, it? And speaking of Karal yeah, Sabe, yeah. he's at it chasing another yeah. FKT. Yeah, the Via Alpina, um, which he's about two weeks into. Um, so that's two thousand six hundred fifty meters. Um, of a trail linking all the highlights the Alps has to offer. So you start in Trieste in Italy and you go through Slovenia, Austria, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Germany and France and you finish in Monaco. Not a bad place to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to break um, 44 days and nine hours is the record he's chasing. Yeah. Um, he, he yeah, so he obviously had that PCT, FKT, um, he's got an, he had an FKT on the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the biggest win, of course, 75 hours uh, last year. Last year? Mm-hmm. Was it this year? Last no, it was year. last year. Last in year October. it was. Yeah. 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 He, did, he did Coast to Coast a few years ago. Yeah. He yeah. Lo- he, yeah. yeah. I think that's how he discovered the trails is how he says it. Anyway. Yeah. Keep your eye on that one. Keep your eye on that one. Yeah. And he's they're really good at updating his um, social media if you want to follow along with that. So, Do you know Do he's I- a dentist and he's... Is he? His um his practice called ultra dent ultra dentistry. Huh. Yeah. You'd want to stay away from him on a Monday after a race. Yeah. But I reckon Tuesday through 
Yeah. For Friday, you'd be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, non-running Kipler news. Yes. Well, <laughs> Kipler news, our new segment about Kipler. Uh, mm. Kipler Challenge. We all know what it is. Yeah, run by – and but what you don't know is it's run by the community – for the community, and each yep. year they offer 25 places on the run for $1,000 each, all of which goes to local charity. So if you don't get in on the, you know, if you're not up at 6.30 with mm. the lightning finger, um, that's an option. You can buy one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And this year they've distributed money to three schools in the Tiano Basin and helped out the town after the 2019 floods and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic because, let's face it, the tourism industry for the whole town is is reeling. Mm. Um, and we saw evidence of that last year when we were down, didn't we? Um, so in addition to that, this year they're also going to be making funding available to the Fjord and Climbing Wall, the Vintage Machinery Museum, Spirited Women of Tiano. Yep. There you go. Uh, Fjord, Fjordland, uh, Fjordland, Fjordland, Fjordland Arts Society, which is different to the Fjordland Arts Society, uh, the Tiano po- Pony Club and the Tiano Bowling Club. I love that grassroots Community organisations benefit from Absolutely. a bunch of crazy runners turning up and, mm-hmm. and running over um, on the Kepler. So, um, you know, as our good mate Steve Norris, friend of the show, um, says, you know, this is a community-run event and we're extremely proud to assist local schools and community groups. So, mm. awesome. Hey, this is super exciting. Super, super exciting. The super and talented Andrew McDowell has made us another sting. Have a listen to this. How good is that? It's pretty good. It's pretty I like good. how it fades out. But anyway, look, the Mac Half Marathon. Yeah. Mackenzie Half Marathon of Fairly was on the weekend. Uh, it says promising a hill climb, river crossing, and views to take your breath away. Yeah. It's still going. It's just going on. It's just... <laughs> and it's gone. All right. Thanks, Katie Andrew. Morgan. Yes. Uh, coming across first in the li- across the line at 133.34 with Linda Patillo, Lydia Patillo, who seems to be getting amongst it everywhere yeah. in the South Island, 143.36, and Emma Roach in 146. Oh seven. Yep. And in the men, Gavin Dahl, one twenty thirty, Danielle Dennison, one twenty fifty five, and Daniel Pilgrim, one twenty nine oh seven. Xterra, the trarun.co.nz, yes. the Xterra uh, series rolls on like mm. a behemoth through Auckland and uh, uh, Hanua this weekend. How much huge turnout. How many people? Oh, I I was starting to count up. It was it was At massive least 10. numbers. Hmm? At least ten. It's like a thousand people. Yeah. Sure. Yep. No, they, no, this, no, yeah, the, the big events. They're big events. Like one of them alone had 400 in them. Oh, wow. Okay. Another yeah. one had 300 in it. <laughs> there you go. So easily events. over 1,000. Well, up to 1,000, I reckon. There yeah. we go. Um, it's the, you know, it's in Hunua, um, you know, where I started trail running, actually, when I was little, little thing. Um, largest area of native forest in Auckland, um, you know, beautiful single track, sunning bush, um, gravel trails and steam crossings and stuff. And so, um, yeah, they had four distances. Take it away. So while the short and mid are an absolute delight for all levels of ability, the longer courses in this location, they said unashamedly tough technical sections and some serious climbing that will give pure joy to those that love the challenge. So in the super long for the women, Gria Logue, uh, 227.24, Maddie Dillon, 240.09, and Kayla Fairburn in 241.42. And for the men, Mariano... Piangentini, 211.12, Blair Griffiths, 212.28, and Martin Gonzalez, 213.17. In the long course, Magdalena Stouch in 224.37, Lauren Kearney, 
06 and Nicky Watson in 231.11. And in the men, Aaron Jackson, 148.05. Mark Herman, 151.53. Craig Buttle, 157.58. In the media, I know who Pip, I know Pip Tucky. Well, she was in the medium. She's a doctor. Worked with her at Rotterdam Hospital. Another doctor. Just a med student. There we go. Yeah. Mm. Go. One she of, won the medium. Ra- yeah, she's rad. Yeah. Um, Sorry, bit of a divergence no, there, but if good. you ever want to call GP, Pip Tucky is your person. All righty. Sick. Yeah. Uh, 103.37, Stella Hammond, 104.47, and Jen McDermott, 106.56. And in the men, Francis McKeffrey, 57.34, George Mawson, 58.10, and James Kugler. You're getting after 58, it. 58.26, chasing down George there. There were 402 entries in that race alone. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. madness. Yeah, and in the short course. So Danica Clooney, 26.49, Scarlett Gwynn in 29.04, and Lydia Kempton in 31.36. And Danica was second overall. Yeah, and in the men, Jacob Hewitt, 26.25, Otis Oliver-Chambers, 27.41, and Nico Kelly, 28.52. Yeah. So in the Eastern Island. Yes, in uh, East New Zealand. East New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, I hope you guys are doing okay over there at the yes. moment. Because uh, yeah. it's a bit hecas. It but is. the guzzler was on... The Ultra, the Guzzler Ultra, it was on in Brisbane, and uh, yeah, fair few people were doing it. Like, yeah, fair, fair few fair people few that we know were doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Lee and Ben yep. and the others. Yep. Uh, epic trail run following the city's oldest reservoirs. It does look amazing. It does. Um, there are a cu- couple of distances, but in the 100K, it was Robin Costa uh, in 1517.11, Nicola McMahon in 1543.57, and Chrissy Redwood in 1558.34. And for the men's 100K, Sean Pettit. 112812 uh, Tate Herps 12.46.01 and Alex Murphy 12.51.54. Just before we get to the greatest run over, this is cool. We're getting heaps of people writing into us and mm. we love it. So mm. just, just write in. And this one is from Tony Aston. Now Tony is a brother nurse. Ah, and you don't just have you don't have to be a medical person to be on Gross no, by the way, but, but you know it helps. helps. Yeah. And uh, we had some correspondence in 2020 when it was all. Kicking off in mm. the States and going a bit heckers. Mm. And um, I probably overuse that word at the moment. But, uh, yeah, he's a gentleman who uh, I have an enduring respect for because him and his, his you know, his kin were up against it for, mm. for a long time. Absolutely. So not only is he stupidly fast, got tons of cool tattoos, is a nurse, uh, but he also runs a not-for-profit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course you do. Um, consider Haiti. Yeah, so which is considerhighty.org. So he, re- he writes in, hey, y'all, I don't have a greatest run ever for you this time, but I wanted to share a future pretty great race ever. Um, his favorite small charity, Consider Haiti, is holding a second annual Hotter Than Haiti virtual 5K to help raise funds for our clean water, sustainable nutrition, and community health programs. We also have a one-mile fun run option for those a little intimidated by the 5K option. Runners will have the entire month of August to run their race and submit their results. Being a virtual race instead of in-person means we can save money, we'd be spending on event costs, and send more funds directly to our teammates on the ground in Haiti. Our all-volunteer American team is based in Asheville, North Carolina, but we employ Haitian community health agents who live in the communities they serve and who handle most of the day-to-day operations. Being a virtual race also means runners can run wherever they are. Our farthest flung runner last year was in Seattle, but maybe this year will it be New Zealand. So there's a call to action. Pressure. Get yeah. after it. Uh-huh. Uh, all those in Aotearoa. I mean, you've uh-huh. seen Haiti's gone through some stuff at the absolutely. moment. Uh, yeah. And I don't yeah. say, I don't sort of, I sort of no. laugh in shock, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, 
And so, yeah, any assistance would be mm. would be good. Uh, they've got prizes for fastest female, male, non-binary, awesome, masters, 40-plus, doggy. You can sign your dog up to run. Uh, and the slowest – Yeah. <laughs> and the slowest runner will receive a pint glass to drown their tears. That's awesome. Oh, they've oh, got oh. one for the Lenton Rouge. Uh, we'll also be sending special prizes to random participants, including Haitian art and a bottle of Haitian rum. Fantastic. So uh. – Get after it, hotterthanhaiti.com. We'll put the link on our show notes. Yep. Um, and he says, Messi, which is Haitian for thanks. Cool. Fantastic. All right. I love it. I love this community. Yeah. Let's do another um, great thing that our community does. Greatest, Greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest Run Ever, which mm. is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason, and you can send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. This one's from Nick Shepard. Dear Dirt Church Radio, I've been meaning to write in with my greatest run ever for quite some time, but I too could only think of various great moments within the runs, such as the tear-filled moments of crossing the finish line of marathons in the Swiss Alps, or the time I shared a section of country road with a badger in Surrey. I want to hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear about that, man. <laughs> Right, anyway. um, hopefully this is about that. Recently I ran my greatest distance, a 50-kilometre trail run along the northern edge of the Swabian Alps here in southern Germany. This was a conciliation run due to the inconvenient postponement of what would have been my first ultramarathon. The run contained all the elements of my of a greatest run ever story, such as running out of water two-thirds of the way and being forced as a vegan to buy numerous little cartons of iced tea from a butchery. Oh. oh no! Then finding an ammonite fossil, and most importantly, having the alone time to realise that I was finally beginning to love my new life in Germany. Finally, rounding off the day with my beautiful family waiting for me at the finish. I was so convinced that this is my greatest run ever that I started to formulate it in my head, only for it to be thwarted by a tide of procrastination. Then something strange happened this morning. I had my real greatest run ever, although a simple little six-kilometer local loop. It was the rain that had me beaming throughout so much that for the first time in my life, I wrote a poem about it this is a first no it's not isn't it no no, no we have had a poem you're right however you're right. Yes. this is fantastic it and is. it says a morning run and morning is spelled m-o-u-r-n-i-n-g pitter patter my feet dance around its puddle pitter patter its beat dances trouble like a steel brush through the air the fall streaks its body into the sodden gray hair only to be smattered by matter. As its body pulls in the wells, the crevice in its rapture, its dark forebear brings the world into sombre aperture. And from the heft of saturated monochrome comes the saturated hues of its rejuvenated home. For today is the run of the rain as I rejoice its sorrow-filled day. Bam! Boom, Nick! My new life in Germany has meant that I don't often get the chance to indulge in creative English writing, but this run brought it out of me, and thus I feel it must be my greatest run ever. For sure. Happy trails, Nick. Now that makes up for the lack of badger. Yeah. I, yep. I did want to know about what happened. You're going to have to write into us again. Yeah, even a private email just explained to us <laughs> about the badger. But what a, I mean, this community is incredible. And how talented, are, you know, everyone and yep. that we encounter and that people who share stuff and, um, you know, I just love the variety that we get in Greatest Run Ever as well. Absolutely. You know, love it. Thank speaking you. of creative, speaking yes. of collegial and community-based and all the other alliterative words you can think of, um, Chloe Whitman. 
Man, mm. I've known Chloe for a while since mm. uh, Good People Run Days, actually, mm. and uh, she is the head of color with Xenia Clothing, a woman's clothing brand that has been on the scene for about seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you notice over the last 18 months, you go to any race or look on Instagram, there's just this explosion of uh, color women wearing these colorful mm. clothes, and it's it's fantastic. Uh, we spoke to her about what that means for the community, yep. challenges setting up. Um, she's got a fantastic greatest run ever. Yep. Um, about empowerment. Yeah, empowerment. Body image. Agency, mm. all of that sort of stuff. It's and a great conversation. Wonderful conversation. So without further delay, here is the mighty Chloe Wickman. Ditches Radio. We are joined all the way from Tauranga by Chloe Wickman, Head of Colour at Xenia Clothing. Chloe, kia ora, and welcome to Dirt Church Radio. Kia ora, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And um, we've known each other sort of in passing through various ventures over the years. But one thing that I remember is this time four years ago, you were in Rio at the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, I was. So five years ago. Five years ago. Oh, we're, sorry. We're yeah. the, I know. You know well, but it's weird. The they're branding still hasn't it. changed. Yeah, that's but right. It, yeah. yeah. Um, it's very misleading. Uh, yeah. So I was. I was um, a volunteer at the games for the Olympics and Paralympics. That's so about a two-month stint, and I was a um, assistant to one of the delegations. So one at a time. So for the Olympics, I was with a team from Swaziland which is a very small African nation. Um, and then for the Paralympics, I was with the New Zealand Paralympic team. How did you score that gig? So that was through New Zealand Paralympics. So um, before Xenia, um, I was working in disability sports and um, knew the guys from Paralympics New Zealand. They put out a call for assistance um, and then you apply through the Games um, so through Rio 2016 and through Paralympics New Zealand, and then they match you up in the system, and away you go. And it sounds really simple, but it's kind of mm. not. <laughs> it's, it's like George Costanza simple, like I applied to the Paralympics, yada, 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 I'm in Brazil looking after the team from Swaziland, <laughs> which is... Yeah, yeah. And so were you there a couple of months, did you say? Yeah, so um, you arrive at, I arrived about a week before the Games, but they'll have you earlier if you can be there. Um, and then... Uh, so we did the full Olympic cycle and then had about, I think, six days off and then the New Zealand team started arriving. So we were back at the Games Village and um, and all back into it. So, yeah. And how was it? Oh, it was really interesting seeing behind the curtain. Like, yeah. Um, and, and just even the difference between, say, the Olympics and the Paralympics and how people are, like, the different vibe in the village and just like the way people are, will treat volunteers as well. Because um, I guess one of the really interesting things is that Brazil, Brazil doesn't really have the volunteer culture like we do here in New Zealand. So they, I think you need something like 10,000 volunteers to mm. run the Olympic Games. And they had like several thousand people didn't turn up. <gasps> so get- it's like, you know, I got the email saying like, congratulations, you're with the New Zealand team for the Olympics. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And I was all like, I'm going to meet my future husband. And um, <laughs> and then I turned up and they were like, you're with Swaziland. I was like, no, New Zealand. And they were like, no, we did run out of volunteers. You're going to Africa. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. What, how big a team did they have? They had two athletes. Um, so they have essentially like 
I can't think of the right words and there'll be people listening to this who know exactly the right word to use, but um, essentially they're athletes by allocation. Um, So every um, national Olympic committee can have two athletes. So one male, one female, and they were both um, track athletes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What was the discipline that they were doing? Um, So uh, sprinters. Yeah. So did you get to hang out at the track a lot or like... Um, yeah, we got to see um, Usain Bolt run, which was quite fun. Um, the stadium just like, lights up for him. Like, yeah. you know, especially in like a heat where he's like, oh, yeah. And everyone's just like, still like screaming his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was there in, in 2008 when he got his world record in, Amazing, ba- in eh? Beijing and the Olympic. And the, the Olympic Stadium just for those big events is just buzzing. The atmosphere is incredible. Yeah. 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 I can't. Remember. I can't even get the year right. You two are like well, reminiscing. Yeah, hello, no, you were on brand. <laughs> that was your thing. I just blanked twenty twenty out. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what happened. That's a good thing to do. Yeah. So and and so, what was your what were your? I mean, it's it's so interesting to think, but behind, like you said, how the sausage is made. You're with the Swaziland team. Um, what are you doing with them? How are you helping oh, to them? Be, to be honest. Um, I helped their shift emission log into his emails and get his internet access going. Um, I took him in the official cars to go and find a barber, which was like, um, we took the athletes and the support staff shopping. And then we watched quite a bit of sport. So for Swaziland, because they had two athletes, they had yeah. to wait over a week for their yeah. first athletes to yeah. run. Yeah. And then it's all done in like two or three days, right? So. Yep. Um, when you've got that full Olympic program, like there isn't quite that much to do. Like there was sort of, I think there was three assistants to the team, like two or three at a time. And um, just, I mean, for me, it was really interesting because it was a different culture Mm. and learning different ways that they kind of navigate the world. And Mm. um, for me, that's always really super interesting. And I found out they don't actually teach like PE in Swaziland. So there's no physical literacy. So huh. the fact that they even have two athletes there is like amazing. Mm. Wow! Yeah. Wow! It's and just the, sort of stuff that we would take for granted. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. And then you switched to the New Zealand Paralympic team, which must have been like yeah. going going home with your mates. It was like going home and hanging out with all my friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, like I'd known quite a few of the athletes and helped start programs back in the day for say like the um, parachuting team and. Um, so I actually had pretty much said to the guys, like, I know they've arrived in the village, like they've arrived early and they were staying off site. And I was like, Oh, can I go and pick them up? <laughs> like, cause they won't be expecting me at all. Yeah. And then I just walked in and I think they were like expecting some Brazilian beauty, but they got me instead, but I was still stoked. <laughs> <laughs> and and oh, no. so, sorry, you, are you completely geeking out on the games now? Like, sorry, we're keeping you away from them. Yeah, fully geeking out. Like, I'm trying really hard to not spend all day watching sport, but like, I'm like, I'll just put it on in the background and I'll Mm. I'll do these other things. But Mm. honestly, like, I just, it doesn't even matter who's playing or what the sport is. I'm I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the beauty of the Olympics, too, is discovering Mm. all these different events that you don't, you only watch once every four years, but suddenly they're super fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I went actually to some taekwondo at, in Rio yeah. and I like just made friends with people in the audience because I was like tell me how the sport works and then people just if they're super passionate about yeah. what they're watching they'll just like give you all the information and like 
you know, why that was a great point to score and why that one wasn't. And like, oh, honestly, it was amazing. Yeah. 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 I remember I, I did, um, did a night at the weightlifting in Athens 2004 and like, was like oh, weightlifting girl, but I, I was pumped. It was so exciting. <laughs> You just completely like when you leave, you're like ready to take up the sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just know everything about it. I can't remember a damn thing now, but you know, it's super you just get (laughs) so into it. Yeah, it's and it's it's about people. It's about people, isn't it? You know, that's that's the beauty of sport. That's Mm. that's you know why we love trail running as well, is there's such good people and that's 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 it's writ large at the Olympics. Uniting kind of Mm. um thing i can't think of the word but yeah yeah it is like it is extremely uniting and i think para sport as well um i'm probably quite a lot more biased towards that and um just given that i don't know i'm way more emotionally invested than in that because of the work that i've done yeah um like to me that's just human spirit at its purest yeah yeah how yeah. did you get into para sport? What's your? Do you have a, a background oh, um, in physical education a, or sports? Yeah, science? I do. Yeah, so I studied down in Otago, and then a good friend of mine started sending me jobs for Hamilton because she really wanted me to move there with her. And um, one of the jobs, and the one that I got out as a new grad was um, working for an organisation called Parafed Waikato, which was um, physical disability sports. So I did sport development there for about five years and then moved into a role with Waikato and Bay of Plenty. So um, so I spent about seven years working in, in para sport and disability sport. So, yeah, in all its different interesting shapes and forms. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, and it's just, it's been so amazing to see the growth of para sport and, oh, yeah, yeah, incredible. Phenomenal. And, yeah, yeah, and seeing... Um, the Paralympics, you know, on a, on a, on this on par with mm. with the Olympics and and being embraced. And, yeah. yeah, and I think London had a lot to do with Absolutely. that. Absolutely, like yeah. they just did a fantastic job at like um like my cousin was there at the time and she said for love nor money you could not get a ticket to Paralympics. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know they sold out these stadiums and people just went crazy for it. Yeah, it was interesting to see Brisbane. Um, which has just got the twenty thirty two. They co branded, didn't they? It was it was all it wasn't we're making Olympic, but it was the double Oh really? The double whammy. Yeah, it's the yeah. first time that oh, a okay. that a host city has done that. They've been like, This is what we're pitching for. It's the two the two things together. Yeah. Um and all their branding and everything was about the Olympics and Paralympics. So yeah. Mm. Where did running come into it for you? I've always been a runner, like uh, high school did orienteering, so as I like to call it, nerd running. Um, and <laughs> math running, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if I was really the math person, but I was like, I can, I've still got a decent sense of direction as a result, so I'll take that. Um, it's definitely been a carryover school for doing things like spirited women, so I'll, yeah, definitely happy I have that skill in my pocket. I've been able to read a map, but um, I guess for me, once I moved away and went to university, running was the thing that kind of kept me moving you know, between classes, I didn't have to, I'm not a big team sport kind of person. Like you'll find me cheering on the sideline, but I'm not, hmm. <laughs> you won't, won't very really find me on the field. Um, and yeah, but running for me was the way to just kind of de-stress and get out of nature. And I just love the fact that very quickly you can get to somewhere new. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how far you can travel under your own steam. 
either, yeah. either on a bike or walking or running and and in that you know you know in nature and also in an urban environment yeah. i remember talking to barefoot ten ages ago and he was saying that that's one of the things he loves most about running is he can navigate a city like getting mm. from business appointment to business appointment quickly you know mm. it's just it's fantastic yeah and it's just such a great way to explore when you head somewhere new yeah so, yeah. so you're involved in sport you've always run and you're involved in para sport now i mean where does where does xenia come into it because we've seen i mean you guys have been around now for how long oh it'll be seven years yeah so yeah so you've been on the in scene for seven years yeah. and it mm. seems like and again this is you know this is a really interesting sort of kiwi story it seems like recently it's just kicked off yeah, like everywhere you look, every race you go to, um, there's a strong contingent, and there's people like Kate Southern who are, who are rocking the rocking the gear. You know, Caroline Oram, Kate Shave, um, Heather McDonald, all of those people. And what what was your kind of ethic behind starting the brand? Well, I guess originally, um, so my friend Sarah and I we started it together, um, and we'd been over to Brazil and. I guess for me that was a massive – so this was pre-games. Right. Um, yeah, obviously with the time where I'm there. Um, and for me I was really blown away by like the level of body confidence that Brazilian women have compared to New Zealand women. Like here you could get black, maybe a pair of navy leggings and like, you know, if you got a hot pink or a blue stripe on them, you know, that was something that was quite out there for active wear at the time and – but over there, everything is like insane color. Like nobody cares what anyone else is wearing really. You know, grandma's down on the beach in a bikini. Nobody looks twice. Like whereas here, you'd be like mildly shocked and, and or horrified. Um, and so that level of body confidence for me was to see that in action with so many different women and so many different body shapes was amazing. And we sort of had the idea of like bringing them back in because we'd bought pairs for, say, friends and family. Um, and they were like loving the product and the color and all that kind of stuff, but you couldn't really get that here unless you were ordering from overseas. So we kind of chipped away at it. And um, for a long time, we both had other jobs and um, other things keeping us going. But I guess like I'm an exceptionally stubborn person. So I, and I really believed in the community that was starting to grow around the brand. And I think that's been one of our kind of key factors for um, what's made it successful over time is actually that uniting factor. You know, like we have ladies, there was a lady in our Facebook group the other day who wrote in there and she said she was out running and she thought someone called her a senior and actually they'd said nice seniors. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, you know, like there's just this really awesome community and like I always laugh and I say to people, no one gives you a compliment on your black leggings. Mm, mm. like no one goes oh that's a great pair of black leggings you're like <laughs> you know and whereas color brings people like a lot of joy and a lot of like happiness just to put it on and it lifts your mood instantly so there's a lot of um I think there's a lot of psychology in terms of color but honestly just we've kind of come back to a couple of main things and that's community and comfortable mm, you know mm. like I know comfort's not particularly sexy but if you can put your running leggings on and you don't have to touch them for 40K, then that's a win. Yeah. Oh, look, comfort's so important in terms yeah. of, you know, you put on 
an uncomfortable pair of shorts or an uncomfortable anything, uncomfortable pack, uncomfortable shoes, yeah. uncomfortable socks. Like, mm. you know about it's it. the worst. Uh, it's it's uh. just going to grate you for uh. the entire time. Yeah. Uh. yeah. So, sorry, I just want to go back on the, on the, on the body image thing. So you think you, you you're sort of um, putting um, body image and body confidence with, with color. Like mm. you, you see them, see them together. Yeah, and I think it, there's a real shift that's happened in New Zealand even in the last year or so yeah. about people actually embracing colour as a way of like self-expression. Mm. And I do think like it's really interesting our audience and like customer base are typically sort of like 30 plus. And I think there's a point that people get to they no longer care what other people think about them. Mm. And so they go and they buy the things that make them happy. They wear the stuff that makes them happy. They do the things that makes them happy and not based on what other people think of them. And so I think a big thing for me is that people have, originally people have said to me like, and I still hear it is like, oh, I couldn't wear that. I'm too, it's, I'm too big to wear color. And you look at them and you're like, okay, you're a size eight. So that's probably in your head because Actually, a lot of people, like, we custom make sizes up to a 5XL and those women look amazing. Mm. You know, so you, it's all that self-perception stuff as much as um, also showing others wearing colour who, you know, of different body shapes mm. and sizes who are enjoying themselves and loving their bodies as, as they are. Mm. So it's an expression of... Um um, not being afraid to say, this is me, this is how I am, this is who I want to be, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I want to wear this, and I, I'm not going to yeah. wear black and try and melt into the background or something. Is that, is that what's going on? I, I yeah, I think so. It's that's, that ability to show a bit of your own personality on the outside. And, like, mm. and this is where I feel kind of bad for men's fashion quite often because there's not a lot of colour there in men's fashion. And, you know, you're like, you might get a great pair of novelty socks, you know, and, um, and that's you know, no one's above a novelty sock. I'm not, not putting the novelty socks down, but um, I guess there's a lot more freedom coming through in what women can wear as to what they typically had available, which, you know, like what I was saying is like a black or blue pair of leggings. You know? uh, uh-huh. And so colours kind of coming. I don't, I don't want to say it was out of style, but I think it's coming into more ways to wear it. Yeah. Well, I don't think it goes deeper than... Oh, no, I don't think it goes deep. I think about when we spoke to Myrna Valeria from mm. the US, you know, African-American woman. She's, you know, her blog is called Fat Girl Running. She's a, she's a large woman. She wears colorful, you know, she does, she, she doesn't hide. Um, and she's out mm. there. And it was almost, it took on more than like, it became more than a comfort thing or a comfortability thing. It was, it was almost a, it was a middle finger to the, established knowledge of you're this size you can't do this you know so mm-hmm. it goes there's two it seems like there's two arguments there's almost kind of that thing like you're unhealthy you shouldn't be running or you should work to get to a certain size and then you deserve then mm. you've earned the yeah. right to wear whatever you want to wear or there's the other side which is probably much better for your mental health well it is it's just like two fingers in the air i'm gonna wear what i want to wear uh. yeah and it's just like giving out like one of the things that i really focusing on for the next few months with the brand is like it's almost like being like we're not your we're not letting anyone else define what fitness looks like Mm. like I am fitness just as much as you are fitness (laughs) you know no longer having to um show the before and after photos because as you are right now is enough 
And that's, wow, and, that's and I guess who defines, mm. and that's the thing. So like looking in the Zoom screen, who generally defines what fitness is, is people like Eugene and I, mm. or have, who have traditionally, you know, and, and, and through a systemic thing. It's at that time we, <laughs> speaking of before and after photos, that time we ran into Vajan and Garantan and at a Kepler pre-shakeout and these two like elite runners and we were dressed exactly the same and we did look <laughs> like a before and after photo like <laughs> it was ridiculous it's like sort of you know two sort of normal human beings and then these two elite athletes and we were just like wow <laughs> Like you and your shadows. It was yeah. It's mm. it's, an, yeah. it's an interesting concept. That's a horrible concept too. That before and after thing. I, I just yeah. yeah I, th- I think we just kind of need to break up with um, what fitness actually is defined by. Because yeah. like if you scroll on Instagram and you search the hashtag fitness, like it's all it can be extremely toxic. There's a lot of filters going on. There's a lot of um, people being a certain size, there's also a lot of certain age. Yeah. Like, um, and that's something that we want to try and do with our models. Like, um, if you're going on our website, you'd see that the models wearing our product on our shop page are all different shapes and sizes. Mm. Like, we've had women in their 70s come and be models for us because that's what your legs look like when you're 70, mm. you know? Mm. Like, not to say that young legs or old legs are better than either but it's about representation and people being seen as they are and represented back to themselves. Do you Mm. know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you come in and you can identify with something within the website that is like, I'm hoping that if you come to our website, you're starting to see a body that looks like yours, you know, and we're not necessarily there across all spectrums all the time because products move and change and, and that kind of thing. But it's something that we want to make sure we're doing relatively consistently is making sure that there's a representation of different body shapes mm. and how the products are going to fit you. Have you had challenges in regard to that? Have you had kickback of people? I mean, is it, has it been challenging for, for, for people? To see different body shapes? Yeah. I, well, no one said to me, I don't like, you know, the 70 mm. year old woman, or I don't like the, um, the girl who's, you know, wearing the XL leggings. Like, no one has said that to us. We've generally only had really positive feedback and we quite often get people just saying like, thanks for using real women because we Mm. don't Photoshop anything. Nothing is, the only thing that's edited slightly is the light just so that the print looks as close to accurate as it does in real life, Mm. you know, Mm. but there's no Photoshop. There's no, you know, none of that stuff. It's about natural beauty and being able to celebrate that. Mm. You mentioned the, the Facebook group. So do you have, uh, you know, the, the community, um, conversations is that, is that is that going mm. on as well? Tell, tell yeah, us about that. Yeah, it is, and it's really interesting. We've had some really cool conversations lately. You know, women who are in their forties who are wanting to get into running, and they're like, "Where do I start?" And we're like, our, "I don't even need to respond to half of this stuff because, like, they just the, the community just jump in, and they're all over it, and they're like, you can do it.' And there's so much positivity there, mm. and it's like, "Hey, why don't you start with a park run? Like, what's your local one? We'll come down and meet you." Like. There's so much amazing stuff happening in there and it's all really organic. You know, it's, I love the group because there's so much positivity in there and it's Mm. people share their adventures from the weekend or they, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to tackle this challenge. Who wants to come with me? You know, there's all sorts of that sort of stuff going on that just brings everybody back together Mm. and it's just kind of happened naturally, which 
makes it really exciting for me because it's not forced. Yeah, it's organic. Mm. Yeah. 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 Because that's the thing, isn't it? It's not just um, size or age that inhibit us from doing the things that we want to do. It's confidence and it's it's um, knowing what to do and, and, and sort of holding yourself yeah. back thinking, I, oh, no, I, 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 just, I wouldn't, I'd feel out of place or, you know, there's lots of mm. things that, that inhibit somebody from getting active and, you know, if you're, you're seeing that organic, um, oh, those conversations happening. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it's it's great yeah. that you. Sort it of is. I like. It. I think, like, if you said to me, "What am I most proud of?" I am most proud of that community mm. and the women this and in that community and the support that they give to each other. Mm. What's next? <laughs> the world. No. <laughs> Um, well, in terms of like this year, we've got some exciting stuff coming up. We're doing our very first artist collection, which I'm oh, super cool. excited about because yeah. we have, um, two confirmed artists. So they're on the website. You can go and check out their, their different, um, artworks. So we've got Otis Frizzell who's done like a hearty graffiti print. Like it looks like a back alley with like Xenia in there and his brand in there and it's just really grunty and kind of, yeah, real kind of dark alley epicness. And then we've got um, Dia Dasgupta, who is um, an Indian designer who lives in Sydney and she's done like this, it almost like springtime and in, in a legging, you know, like mm. it's just so fresh and amazing. And then for our third um, artist, we actually put out submissions for a Māori artist to come in and join um the collaboration and so we've selected them but i can't tell you who that is yet. Ooh. <laughs> can you just whisper it like you know we you can tell us only a few thousand people listening yeah, yeah. It's fine. yeah i'll tell you yeah. off yeah, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> um I, I mean i'm dating myself here i remember listening to uh mcoj and rhythm slave and i remember listening to them when they did the bfm breakfast and the bfm drive show or oh, they did drive actually not breakfast um they did the drive show for years and years and years and then otis went on to lucky taco how did he come to get involved so we met him and his wife Sarah at um like a conference type thing here in Tauranga that had been put on and they were talking about their story um behind the Lucky Taco and a whole bunch of stuff that they'd been through and I was just sitting there and I was like I need artwork from you for my activewear like this needs to happen and so that but that conversation was like two odd years ago like and I've been like it's still coming it's still coming like you know, and yeah. the same with Dio. It's like, it's still coming. I promise we're going to do this. And then, it, you know, like after a whole lot of the Black Lives Matters movement stuff, I kind of was like, well, I never joined people in the street, but I have a business here and we could make a difference in terms of uplifting and sharing other people's stories. So mm. that's kind of what we're doing with the artist collection. So we've got five finalists and we're going to share who they are and the work that they created to be part of the um, submission process and and really kind of give them some love as well. So I'm super excited to start sharing who the finalists are and their style. And I can guarantee you that our fans are going to be like, why did you not choose this person mm. every single time? Mm. And I'm like, because we could only choose one winner. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're so blown away by the amazing talent of people that wanted to work together on that. Like, I'm so grateful for the project and mm. I just can't wait to bring them all to life. So we're just working through sampling and all that kind of stuff now. And um, it's like a year long project basically. So 
they won't actually be available to wear until say like November at this stage. Mm, mm. That's uh, the, I mean, I, I love you talking about that um, sort of business as an agent of social change and an agent of um, positivity in, mm. in society rather than just being about the commercial aspects. Where did, where did that come from? Why, 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 why do you I, do that? I think I've always been a really values-driven person. Like, um, and, I, and I do sit here and I feel like, you know, we've made it, we made it through COVID. It was pretty, pretty hairy, um, like it was for, you know, most New Zealand businesses. And to come out of the other side of that and to still have a business and to still be growing has been like, like I'm just truly grateful for the privilege to be able to do that. And I just think I've got an opportunity here to make change and to help lead the way and for other people, you know, like I've got a space, I've got a platform and I've got a community, like they all love doing stuff for good. So why don't we just crank that up a notch and keep uh-huh. doing it? Like, we did a fundraiser a couple of weekends ago. We called it Colour in the Cold and we basically challenged people to dress up as bright as possible and jump in cold water. Um, and the idea is that we raised money for Variety Children's Charity and their winter appeal. So essentially we got cold so kids could be warm. So it was just, and it was heaps of fun. Like uh, I think we're going to share some stories about that and um, share some more photos and stuff from that event but yeah it happened all over the country people all the way down to Christchurch had a go at it and and it was basically just a really great laugh in the middle of winter yeah yeah so the, those those values come from somewhere so where, where did where did they come from for you I mean that's you, you get I, I think with it's, them? it's sort of family stuff isn't it yeah. like you know we grew up doing surf lifesaving and my parents were always really active in in the club and um you know, they always had time to give to other people and even my grandfather was the same, you know. So I couldn't tell you anything yeah. exactly specific, but um, I don't believe that I'm here to live in isolation and I do believe that anything I can do to make other people's lives better is um, a real privilege to be able to do that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm on the trolley with that one. <laughs> It's desperately uncool, though. Actually, like you can you can dress it up, but it's it's it seems like at the core of it, you can and you can kind of, like you said, like you can Instagram it up and you can put filters on it, right? You can be like, oh, it's, you know, or but then you, at the end of the day, you're like, actually, the service of others is no higher calling, mm-hmm. and of course, we want to make a living it, and we make a living doing it, um, you know, with whatever profession that we do. But that's that's you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you could live a life in isolation. Um, well, I, I heard a quote today and it was amazing. It's like the way you see things come in is the way things go out. Basically, the way you 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 access information is the way that the world seems, mm. you know. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd rather be connected than not. Mm. Tell us about Queen Charlotte mm. track. Oh, that was heaps of fun. Um, so I, we are sponsors for Spirited Women, which is an all-women's adventure race. And that was down in Blenheim this year. And it's like, oh, I've always really wanted to do Queen Charlotte track. So I messaged Eve Southern and I was like, we should do it. Because we'd kind of like half talked about it a few times. And she's like, do you know what? For safety reasons, it probably shouldn't be just us two. Like, <laughs> I was like, fair. So she put the shout out and um, three of her friends who I've 
obviously since now met, um, jumped on the bandwagon and five of us ladies took off. We did the full track in three days, but it was like, let's be honest, like the only thing we had to do was get from point A to point B. Like our bags were moved for us. We had nice accommodation. There were restaurants on the track. Um, it was just your responsibility to get from one lodge to the other. It's a great. <laughs> like, so we did it like high end, you yeah, know, like, and right. I've never done that sort of stuff. Like normally I'd be like, you know, with my pack and my tent and all that sort of stuff. But it was fun because the details were taken care of. Yeah. So it was, the beer was good and a nice gin and tonic in the sunset and I'm not above that. No way. <laughs> so it was more like pimped packing than fast packing. Yeah. That's actually, that's a really, cause I was like, what is the <laughs> glamping turn for like glam running? Pimp and packing. I was like, mm. I didn't go. Mm. Yeah. There mm. you go. We've got a new You can term. coin it. You can have that. And actually <laughs> we I? should set okay. an FKT on something like the Appalachian Trail, but just do it totally pimped. Pimp, pimp packing. Take a year and a half. <laughs> Like stay in nice place. That's yeah. great. Timothy Olsen supported yeah, no. PCT or I mean, anyone, Matt Raymond's pimped packed yeah, PCT. That's yeah. right. Anyone can Why not? run yeah. the PCT. <laughs> it takes real <laughs> determination to do it in a bacchanalian. Because have you done it after five gin and tonics? That's right. Yeah. No. yeah. Is Timothy Olsen drinking gin and tonics? He's not. <laughs> he probably is now. But yeah. um, um, So you, so it's, did you go from top to bottom? Did you head south? Um. So, yeah, we started in... Um, I can't even think of the name. Sorry, it's gone completely out of my head. Um, we either. finished in Anakiwa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Down south. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you st- so you you get dropped off by water taxi, yeah. or something like that, and then run yeah. to the run to the uh, lodge, mm-hmm. get your bag, and then the next oh, morning no, they you take don't your even bag. Have to get your bag. Sorry, the bags were at your room. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what was the safety concern? You're like, oh, we should, for safety. <laughs> Oh, okay. To be fair, we did pull a young man off his e-bike who's down a cliff um, on the first day. So um, his dad had unfortunately ridden ahead of him and he thought his son was right behind him and we pulled his son and the e-bike up the hill. So it was probably just as well there was actually five of us because it was a bit of a challenge to Mm. get a very heavy e-bike back up there. But poor kid was pretty terrified. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. yeah. He might have been about 11 or 12, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, he was fine. We saw them again, and he was okay. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, spirited woman. Let's talk about that because that again, that's a quiet kind of rager, isn't it? That's something that's been. How long has spirited woman been going for now? Ooh, we did the very first one in Rotorua. Uh, maybe is that five, maybe six years ago now. Uh-huh. And what is it exactly? Um, so essentially, groups of four women will run slash trek kayak and mountain bike their way across a, an amazing piece of landscape. Um, and there's, so next year is, well, yeah, next year they've released a fourth distance. So before it was short, medium and long. So it's kind of like a three-hour winning time, a six-hour winning time or a nine-hour winning time, depending on which ones. And so the longer the course, the harder the navigation um, and you might, there's a bunch of mystery activities in there. I think if you're doing short course, you get one mystery activity and then it's two and then three. And then next year they've added in like an intro kind of level to get more pe- more women feeling more confident to give those longer distances a go. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's honestly, it's so much fun. And like if, if anyone's like on the fence about thinking about doing something like that, like 
it doesn't even matter whether it's this one or any of the other sort of adventure races around New Zealand. Like just that's so much fun. Yeah. Like you have a wonderful time because you have to all stay together. It's not like you can send one person off to do the mountain bike and one person to do the kayak. Like you're all in all together. And um, yeah. And we've, I've done it with complete strangers. I've done it with people I've known and I think every time it's just been a completely different experience. The landscapes are always different. They have them in the most stunning locations. And so like, why, why wouldn't you want to have a go? Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, the um, orienteering comes in very handy. Yeah. I'm also quite controlling and don't give anyone else a map. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to know you. You can can empower yourself and do anything you like, except my map. (laughs) Yeah. Don't touch my map. Go to hell. Yeah. Get on that kind. Yeah. yeah, going that way. Although that's kind of good though, because we did a three-hour Rogaine in Riverhead, mm-hmm. and even with like quite a lot of local knowledge, because four of us were local, yeah, it didn't yeah. go so well. I'm just leave it at that. Yeah, Rogaine's are tricky again though, because you can no, get them in any order, yeah, and but so still. you've got that like extra component. Whereas most of spirited women, like yes, at times there are choices. Yeah about what order you get them in, but typically it's like one, two, three, four. Mm. I, I sort of not pride myself, but I, I feel quite confident about my sense of direction and like I've, mm-hmm. I, I don't even feel lost, lost. Mm. You know, I'm like, okay, I know we're heading over that way. That's right. But the one time that I've been on a, a course where we had to do kind of orienteering really, just put a map in front of us and plot our way to various – I got so lost. Mm. Just <laughs> the head down on the map, something about it, yeah. I just – I just absolutely had no idea where I was or where I was supposed to be going. It was, it's quite a skill. Yeah. yeah. It can be, yeah. Mm. And so it's, it's carrying on that theme, isn't it, of just getting women interested and doing so mm. in a safe environment and a safe space where they're not sort of intimidated, not just by the – it's not even just by the participant but by the event itself Yeah, and the ethic and the ethos of the event. Yeah. And it's, I think, like – I think that's what I love about like trail running and all like the events that go on there and, you know, the adventure racing stuff is there's always someone at your level. Like, I mean, I've never entered anything exceptionally hard out, let's be honest. Um, But, you know, like there's just, there's something about the people that keep me coming back. Uh, mm. I think that level of support or um, encouragement that's out there. It's good too that in trail races, like nobody asks you, oh, what was your time? You know? No. It's in a, in not a road a race, race thing. in a road race, yeah. you do a marathon, everyone says, what time did you do? In a trail mm. race, no one says that. It's just, how, how was your run? You know? I think that yeah. really helps. How was it? Yeah. yeah. Is it yeah. like, did you die or yeah. are you still good? Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, generally, though, are trail races, especially here in Aotearoa, doing enough? to encourage and empower women to run. We're seeing numbers improve, but I still think there's a there's a lot more that a lot more improvement that we could see. Um I think it's a bit of a mix, right? Like I part of it is the distances mm-hmm. and the ability to have the time to train. Yep. You know, because I think of my friends with young ones, mm. like to actually get out for a three or four hour run to get that training and if you're wanting to do something like, you know, a 50K or whatever, you know, that's a massive barrier yeah. to be able to mm-hmm. do that consistently. And so 
unless you've kind of got your teams of supporters behind you, it can be a massive challenge. Uh-huh. So I think there's still some gaps in terms of that. Um, some of it is confidence as well. And I think as more women encourage others to come along, that's only going to grow. Uh-huh. You know, and that's where, you know, hooking in with a local running club or, um, you know, a women's only group or, you know, coming and being part of Xenia, like, mm. you know, there'll be people there to encourage and support you and to, you know, head out onto your first trail run. Yeah. Because I think there is a big difference as well in, in terms of um, confidence when you first hit the trails as well. Uh, oh, look, I, I mean, it's so much my wife runs. She's a she's a great trail runner. Um, but there's always that kind of we live in Riverhead. There's always, you know, she always says there's always that kind of nagging, I have to watch out for myself, mm-hmm. you know, on the trails. Yeah. Whereas I have none of, none of that. I've never even cons- – I've had one instance in the 10 years I've been running out at Riverhead um, where I ran into a particularly sketchy uh, lowered blue BMW, like maybe 20 – yeah, I know. No business being out there. And I was just like, gosh, I hope they don't need an iPhone. You know, like that was my thought. Yeah. Uh, and I just yeah. sort of turned my head and watched it go past. Pretty yeah. sure it wasn't a hallucination because it wasn't that kind of run. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, oh, my God, you mm. know, this yeah. this thing's on a gravel road in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and that's the, in the forest. And, yeah, yeah. And that's the one. That's the one vaguely. It's just not something that mm. I need to consider. Whereas and there's a barrier to entry to people. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, I definitely have times where I'll be out running by myself and I kind of freak myself out yep. because I listen to like crime podcasts and read <laughs> far too many um, like thriller books. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I don't, to be honest, I do not crime podcast when I'm running. That is not a, a healthy mindset. That's yeah. not a win. Don't yeah. even go there. Um, but, you know, like there is always that kind of thought. Yeah. For women, like even walking home the other night, yep. I was like, oh, I probably should be a little bit more extra aware of my surroundings. Mm. You know, that sort of stuff does exist. And then I think there's that confidence thing of trail running by yourself as well. Like if something happens to you because you stumbled and rolled your ankle or you, yep. you know, something like that. Um, I think that running buddy thing can be a real barrier for people, like mm. not having someone locally, like. Um, a good friend of mine, Kim, she comes over from Hamilton. We run together in Rotorua quite often. And I love that I have a buddy who's similar fitness, but I don't necessarily have someone like right here on my doorstep in Tauranga that I can ring all the time and go, mm. hey, let's go for a run. Mm, mm, mm. What does your day-to-day look like? I mean, it's always interesting to think about. I love small businesses and I love people who are just kind of getting after it. I mean, what is your, your day-to-day with Xenia? It's watching Olympics all day. Yeah, no, it's got it on in the background. Yeah. <laughs> it's just there, it's just background noise. I've intentionally noise. cleared my schedule so I can watch sport for the next six weeks. Um, How swells no, um, So I guess, I guess it's kind of, for us, there's a bit of customer service stuff. Um, I am very fortunate in that I... Um, actually employ my mother who does all of our shipping so if people purchase from us they get a little handwritten note um, and a bit of love from us so that's actually all done by my mum thanks shout out (laughs) mum and um, so she does all the packaging and the orders and that sort of stuff which is so incredibly helpful because I think I just 
be distracted trying to like perfectly handwrite stuff out <laughs> but um and it's and it kind of changes up right like so there's sort of social media stuff that you're doing you're trying to connect with different people like coming and talking to you guys is like an awesome opportunity you know and finding different ways to have people feel like they're part of our brand like I spend a lot of time thinking about that I'm like what's going to convert the next person to just come and be part of it as much as everyone else feels like they're part of it you know Uh um and it's, yeah, what, what can be given back to the community, what events are coming up that we want to be part of, um, you know, where are people hanging out because we want to go hang out there too because it's fun. Mm. Have you had any um, uh, logistics um, stock pressures because of COVID? Yeah, it's really interesting um, what is missing and what isn't. Yeah. Um, and j- typically, like, we've done pretty well um, – Obviously, the price of freight is now horrendous, mm. but um, yeah, because our fabric and comes out of Brazil, so we've got a range that we make here in New Zealand, and we've got a range in our sport range, which is made for us in Brazil. Um, and you know, like last year, we were the, one of the only companies still ordering from our Brazilian suppliers. Like we were literally keeping women in work on the other side of the world because. Wow. Um, everybody got very excited after COVID and were like, let's support small New Zealand businesses. And I'm like, thank you. We super appreciate it. Um, And so, you know, like for a while there, we couldn't keep stuff in stock, which is a challenge as well, you know, Mm. to kind of have people coming to your website and then not being able to find anything in their size. is like It's pretty disappointing. And I have no doubt we will have lost customers because of that situation. Yeah, Um, Right now we're trying to, do more like sweatshirts and things like that, but we cannot for love nor money get the right fabrics. Right. Yeah. So next winter. Yeah. The pressures are just enormous at the moment, aren't they? It's, it's pretty scary. Like when you consider like here in Tauranga, I think the other day there was something like 10 ships sitting out off Mm. the coast waiting to unload in the port, Mm. you know, like that's a lot of people's livelihoods sitting on those ships. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's, I mean, you know, who knows when we'll be through it, but it's just um, causing a lot of people a lot of stress. It is, yeah. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. we've been pretty fortunate in terms of, um, yeah, it hasn't been too bad. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Oh, it, like, absolutely. Like, we were, to, I mean, it seems like a, a discussion that, that's sort of ongoing, isn't it? That, that as, mm-hmm. as difficult it is, as it is, um, and I feel quite lucky that I'm not involved in a small business, you know, um, in, in, in certain ways. It could be so much worse. Mm, like, mm, mm. Oh, yeah. You need yeah, people is, yeah. to support your business. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Look, Chloe, it's been so nice having you on um, on the podcast. And, uh, you know, thank you for reaching out. You, you've, I mean, you've set the bar pretty high. You, yeah. You've kind of... You said that you know you described your greatest run ever as pretty hilarious. So, so Chloe, Chloe Wickman, it's time for you to recount that hilarious greatest run ever. Okay, I'm gonna do my best, and now I feel like you've really pumped it up. Your words, <laughs> you pumped it up. So you you pumped it up. Like I quote, I quote, no, I never take life too seriously, and I have a pretty hilarious greatest run ever. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my first. And to date, only ultra that I've ever done was um, length of the lake at 
the Lake Taupo relay. Um, this is quite a few years ago now. Um, was kind of in a bad state mentally and was like, I need some kind of big challenge to break myself out of this funk. Like, so I decided that I'd seen people running the length of Lake Taupo and I wanted to be one of those people that finished that. And so literally knowing nothing, like, you know, like, okay, so I have a sport degree, so I can train, but I don't really know the ins and outs of like, you know, long distance running at this point. I didn't have a clue about nutrition. A friend of mine heard we'd been to uni with had done an ultra. So I thought, well, she knows what she's doing. So if she can do it, I can. And so, you know, a bit of knowledge gleaned from a few people. And um, I was living in Hamilton at the time and I just started pounding the pavement, like round and round the, those river loops, like into physio like my favorite color is orange and so the day before the race my physio was like what color tape do you want and I was like orange I literally looked like a road cone at the start <laughs> line because both my legs were like wrapped in this bright orange More tape, than tape. Yeah. and so I'd managed to get race number one <laughs> which I'd like you know it's got your name on it athlete number one <laughs> And to the point where the guy on the microphone at, at um, Kuratau was like, yeah, number one, looking like a road code. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Feeling real good Feel right good. now. Um, Pole position. And so I was, I was already pretty broken before we even started and um, not knowing really anything about nutrition. We, I got to 42K at the bottom of the Hatipi Hill. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it's the big long hill as you come up over the hill towards Taupo from Turangi. There's a passing lane on it. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty lethal. I'm familiar with it as a driver. I drove it this week, actually. It intimidates me as a driver. Mm, I can't imagine running up it. Yeah. Yeah, so I decided it was a really great time to have a power aid. (laughs) It was not. (laughs) And so I pretty much got to the top of the hill and I thought, my stomach hurts. And things started to get real downhill real quick and I still had about 25K to go. So I'm sort of like run, shuffling, walking. I'd turn around and my amazing support crew were there. People would jump in and they were running. I looked like Forrest Gump, like running with all these free people. And then every 10 minutes was like, okay, I just got to nip off to the side. Like it was no good. I think I was like I was so sick that we were um, – asking people if they had Imodium in their cars. We were um, asking people for toilet paper. Like I was just so exceptionally unwell. Like it was bad. And the orange tape doesn't help you hide either. No, you can't really hide. So it was pre-Xenia, so it's not like I was trying to hide my activewear. Mm. But, yeah, like bright orange legs. And I can tell you that um, pretty much, is it Five Mile Bay? There's not a lot of tree coverage in Taupo from there. So it was just like, I don't know, I ended up walking heaps, you know, and to the point where you're coming into Taupo and there's all those beautiful houses along there and like a bunch of them had been rented out and there was people there who'd finished their team relays that same day and they're cheering for me and they're like, just keep running. And I'm like, you don't want me to do that. <laughs> so it's the, it's the Ikadin, but you were doing the whole thing. So was that like a hundred and... No, no, so it's just the length of the lake. So it's 67 k. Right. You start in Kuratau and mm-hmm. then you head up the hill from there and then back yeah. into Taupo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's no joke. And so I can tell you that I was like hysterical sobbing before I even reached oh. the finish line. Oh, 
Best day of my life. <laughs> well, and, and I'm just waiting for the bit where we get to the, this makes it your greatest run yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what particularly? Oh, the greatest like, run ever moment was literally, I think it was that full emotional release at the end, like to just let all the stress and the pressure go in terms of, you know, having been where I was um, mentally and then to actually achieve this huge thing that I'd spent months training for. Yeah. And then to have so many of my friends and family on the finish line to pretty much just hold me up because that's all I had left. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I just think like it was great because it was horrific. Like it sounds a bit sadistic, I know, but I like love a good challenge. Mm. So, um, you know, there's just so much that an emotion that comes into trying to survive something like that and then turning around and going, yeah, I probably don't need to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about digging yourself a hole is climbing back out of it, I reckon, eh? hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. I, like I'd said to my physio, she was like, I don't think you should do this. And I said, I think you should get me through this. And she was like, here we go then. <laughs> you know, so there was a lot of people who'd helped me even get to the start line. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, friends and flatmates and things like that. So, yeah. And you haven't been tempted again since? What's that? You haven't been tempted to do an ultra again since. Yeah, no, I'm definitely tempted, but yeah. um, flashbacks. I just haven't really chosen which one I want to do yet. Right. Um, I was considering Tarawera in February, but a friend of mine has asked me to pace her for the miler. So oh. I might just have to not run 50K and then turn around and pace her at yeah, Weaver Don't do that. Yeah, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. That is a day's work, that I mean, one. you're running an ultramarathon yeah. to pace an ultramarathon, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I think um, I think at this stage she's looking at about 28K for me to join her. So I think that's probably enough, to be honest. Yeah. And have you had, yeah. um, have you had X colour Powerade since? Never. Never. What red. color was it? It was red, oh, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Red yeah. drink. You know, like the little, the little ones that you get in your pack. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I need some electrolytes. No, yeah. no, no, no. This is all before I knew about anything like tailwind or any of like pure sports, <laughs> anything like that. I just didn't even know. Yeah. Like I knew, oh, just yeah. oh, yeah, dreadful times. Blue for me. Blue's my band color. Blue for you. Yeah. 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 No blue. Real. No blue. Is that on account of a hangover though? Maybe. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, just bad memories. Even the think of thought of it now, actually. Mm. Anyway, oh, there, mm, we go. there we go. Look, Chloe, thank you for coming on. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, we're super stoked to see those artist collaborations. I mean, where can people find you? Yeah, cool. Great question. So um, there's probably a couple of places that we can easily connect. So that's through our website. So that's zeniclothing.com um, or .co.nz. Both work. Um, and then otherwise come find us on social, so Facebook and Instagram at Xenia Clothing. But it's, yeah, if you send me a message, it's me you're talking to. Yay. How do you spell Xenia? Z-E-E-N-Y-A. One, well, does one, it work with Z? Huh? Does it work with Z-E-E if you spell it that way? Instead of Z? Sorry. American Yeah, it does. Yeah, accent exactly joke. Yeah. But what does it mean? Probably should so ask Xenia that at the start. Is, is yeah. um is actually it's kind of it's a slang type thing that you put on the end of people's names in Brazil. Ah. So my name becomes Chloe Zinha. Right. Huh. Um, so you put Enya or Zinha, but it's 
In Portuguese, it's spelled Z-I-N-H-A, and we were like, there's not a Kiwi in the world going to say that right. <laughs> so we renamed <laughs> it, we made up a word, it. Yeah, yeah, and cool. now it is a thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, thank you, Chloe, and um, yeah, hope to see you soon. And, and again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I don't have a cursed Powerade flavour. You don't? No. Not yet. <laughs> I hope no. No, I hope that I hope that that horse is well <laughs> truly bolted from the garage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, thank you, Chloe. That was a great conversation. I've said that repeatedly because it was. It was a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And thank you for being so sharing and open. And it was great. Thank you. Right. Thank you all too for listening. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio, and you can email us dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and subscribe if you fancy, and you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. What's the matter, Eugene? We've had more than one, sorry, half a million people or downloads yes. of our podcast in our time. We just recently found that out. And that's just on Apple. Yeah. Amazing. Pretty cool. Anyway. Don't forget to write them with your greatest run ever. We love to hear them from you, and you can read them on the website. Thanks to our support, our sp- sponsor supporters, Scott Running, Further Faster, Spring Energy, and Sialy. And thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. Thank you to our editor, Kieran. We've got a great show lined up for next week. We do. We do. So tune in then. Kakite. Kakite, Anna. Thanks, Rigby. <laughs>